Treating seed this spring? AGI Storm FX brings you the ultimate innovation in seed treating for your modern-day farming operation, offering you speed, accuracy, and flexibility. With a simplified design, gentle handling, and precise performance, you can choose to pre-treat or treat your seed just in time. This season, choose the AGI Storm FX Seed Treater to keep you on schedule and ahead of the curve. Visit aggrowth.com for more information or to find your nearest dealer. Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong, but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch, or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women, and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. This week, you'll meet Simone Weinstein. Simone's passion for the environment started early. Climbing trees and studying snakes led them to study environment and business at the University of Waterloo and then to the nonprofit world. Simone made the leap from the classic nine to five to self-employment when they joined their partner, Celeste, who we heard from last week at the Conscious Kitchen. They were working in sustainable food consulting and loved working with food and entrepreneurs, but knew they were missing something. Now working with their partner, Celeste, Simone loves being able to practice sustainability with each purchase from a local farm and to shape the direction of the business. Simone's favorite thing when helping entrepreneurs is to get grounded in their financials of a business. With a love of numbers and the analytics, bookkeeping is something that brings them great joy. By making sense of the books, Simone strives to give business owners the knowledge and tools to help build a business that supports the business owners, employees, and the community. Their goal is to help build sustainable businesses that don't lead to burnout because they have seen that happen far too often. I am so excited to share Simone's story with you all on the Rural Woman podcast. I got to meet Simone through the conference that Celeste LaPriato and Simone put together, which was titled Not Your Father's Farm Conference, which obviously caught my eye. And it was such a great conference that I continue to talk about to this day. And I cannot wait for the 2023 conference, which you are going to hear about today. Before we get to Simone's interview, let's go over this week's listener review. This week's five-star rating and review comes from Slim D. Bale via Apple Podcast, and it is titled, Wish I Started Sooner. 
I've always seen things about the Rural Woman podcast, but always just scrolled on forgetting about it. Day after day, week after week, and then this year, I decided to start listening to more podcasts while doing mundane things. I finally downloaded the podcast and started at the newest episode, and I've been working my way back through the old ones, and wow, I wish I would have started listening sooner. I finally feel like I found a group of people that actually understand me. I truly appreciate this podcast. Every episode I've listened to so far has moved me, gave me a new perspective, given me some helpful tips, and even made me cry. So thank you for this. Well, thank you so much for this kind rating and review, and I hope those were good tears, happy tears. Thank you so much for your kind rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. And my friends, I would encourage you to leave a rating and review wherever it is you listen to the podcast as this helps other folks like you find the show and spread the good word of women in agriculture. Before we get to today's episode, I just want to say a quick warm welcome to our newest member of the Patreon community, Michelle P. Michelle joins us at tier 10 over on Patreon, which means she gets access to bonus content, including extended episodes, patron-only episodes, and I'm sure she is enjoying my most recent episode of Maybe You Can Relate, which is the one about speaking your truth. My next episode is recorded and ready to be released later this month, and it's titled The One About Being a Female Farmer. You're not going to want to miss that one. So if you are able, please consider supporting my work through the Rural Woman podcast on Patreon. This membership-based platform gives you a little bit extra each month and helps me so much financially to support my team and the production of the Rural Woman podcast. To learn more, you can head to patreon.com slash the Rural Woman podcast or just scroll down on your listening app and click the link in the show notes. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's interview with Simone. Simone, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to get to know you better and to share your story with my audience. Thank you so much for having me. This is not the first time I've got to sit down virtually with you. I recently attended a online conference that you hosted with your partner, Celeste. And we're going to talk about that conference today because I've been gushing about it, I think, ever since and telling everybody what a great online conference it was. But before I fangirl, uh, <laughs> tell us more about yourself and how you particularly got your start in agriculture. Sure, yeah. So thanks again for for having me on the podcast. My name is Simone. I use they, them pronouns. And my partner, Celeste, and I, we live in Ontario, Canada on Soggy Ojibwe Nation territory. And we moved up to where we are now, our five-acre rural property, about a year and a half ago. We we're living in kind of like a medium sized size city for a few years. Celeste just finished undergrad studying environmental governance. I was working at a food sustainability consulting company. And so we both kind of had experience working. So 
in and I guess supporting like food and agriculture companies. So she you know, had been interning on organic farms and working in bakeries and food banks. And then I was kind of just on, yeah, like the consulting side of, of food and ag. So we had that similar and uh, like shared passion. And she, yeah, she started her farm to table food business about a year after graduating. And that was really inspired by the idea of sourcing from local and family run farms who we'd be getting our CSAs, community shared agriculture, you know, from for a few years. And so we had a lot of connections with local farmers. We weren't necessarily farming on our own because we were living in the city, but pretty connected to that kind of world. And so, yeah, we, well, so she, she started this company to like make, I guess, eating local food more convenient and accessible for people that perhaps didn't want to get the raw veggies and cook them themselves. So kind of taking that away, you know, that away from them, doing it for them. And so I guess about a year later, both of us were kind of like farming somewhat like part-time or volunteer or kind of recreationally. And we did want to buy a home and move. Well, actually not buy a home. We were going to live in the tiny home, but that's a whole other story. But we wanted to yeah, move a bit outside the city somewhere that we'd have some acreage to farm ourselves and yeah, eventually kind of transition a, yeah, a bit more rurally and somewhere that we actually would uh, could see raising our family. So that's how, long story short, I guess we ended up where we are now. The housing market kind of brought us to where we are. It's a little bit further away from really like our community and what we knew. It's about an hour and a half from, I guess, like, like an hour and a half drive really from all our friends. So we've had to kind of start over and like build a community up here. But yeah, we're growing just a quarter acre, like mixed veg and Celeste wants to do flowers this year as well. And we run our food business from our commercial kitchen that's like on the property. Yeah. It's such an interesting business. And I just love the idea behind what you're doing and bringing local food to people in a different way. And not only the food that you're producing on your acreage, but also the surrounding area. And, you know, when we think of the typical farm to table, we think of CSA and we think of raw veggies and all of the other things, but we don't really think about well, what if we took the next step and actually cooked that food and brought it to them, which to me sounds dreamy, <laughs> having to be the cook here for about eight months of the year when I'm cooking for an entire crew all of the time. So having somebody to cook that for me would even be better. But uh, <laughs> Simone, what are some of your first memories around food from when you were a kid growing up, did you have a garden? Did you produce food? Where did you think your food came from? Yeah, that's a good question. I I would say I was pretty yet yeah, disconnected from the food system. So my parents, I guess they they immigrated here from South Africa. So they kind of their I guess grandparents immigrated from Eastern Europe. So by the time my family came here, we're living in the suburbs north of Toronto. Yeah, just pretty disconnected from like local food, the land here and food growing up. So I'm, I'm also Jewish. So I guess food growing up, like a big part of 
our week was Friday night dinner. So that consisted of like challah, which is like the kneaded bread, grape juice, uh, you know, like some sort of soup, I guess traditionally like a matzo ball soup, and then a classic like, you know, meat and potatoes, and then a dessert. So yeah, food, Friday night dinners were always like a time for the family to come together. And we'd always have like different kind of family friends come over. We didn't have too much family here. So there was always like family friends coming over. And then, yeah, just various Jewish holidays, always obviously looking forward to like the food aspect of holidays. So it was definitely like food was a big part of our life, but perhaps too, because all of the customary foods didn't like come from this land, it was, you know, somewhat like it was disconnected. Yeah. I love hearing those stories of people growing up and their understanding of where their food came from. I grew up in a very agricultural rich place and I myself had no idea where my food came from. I thought it came from the grocery store. I didn't know that people 25 minutes away from me were producing this food that eventually somehow got to the grocery store. I had no idea how. And I think over the last couple of years, everyone has really realized how far food has to go to get places when you don't focus on finding local sources of food. So you yourself were working in the food industry somewhat before you started farming yourself. So what was it in your older years that drew you to working in the agriculture industry? My, I I guess like my, let's say like educational background was in like environment and business. So I was like passionate always about the natural world. And then I guess I am a very like analytical person. So the business like financial side was kind of like a skill set that I always had. So I had like the passion for the natural worlds and then yeah, like maybe the more practical skills. So I think like there's so many, I guess it's industries that you, that you can go into with that skill set, but I don't know. I, I think that the food and agricultural industry is something that's like the most connected to the land and I guess to the natural world. And to me, yeah, it, it's something that like I was passionate about and passionate understanding more about and could just really like connect to emotionally and yeah, just participate in. So I guess that's what drew me to the work. And I think what I realized like I loved the most as I was working with different food and farm companies and organizations and people was I really liked working with some of like the smaller and and I guess more startup companies that were I guess it was kind of bringing some of their like cultural foods you know to the wider audience or again just like had that that passion and that like emotional connection to what they were doing so that was the kind of yeah the kind of work in like the food and farm businesses that I really loved working with. Yeah. And I like how you described it as an emotional connection because similar to your Friday night dinners with your friends and family, was the food good? Most likely, but it was the emotional (laughs) connection that brought you to the table to share that meal with people. And I think for me, as a person who didn't grow up this way, now fully immersed into it, that's still one of my favorite things. And some of my favorite memories are around the kitchen table, regardless if I knew, you know, 
how that food got there or not. It was the connection that brought us all back. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I personally am a terrible cook, <laughs> like absolutely terrible. So I guess I like surrounding myself too. If, you know, like Celeste is obviously an amazing cook and yeah. So surrounding myself with other people that are really good at that is a, yeah, is a good place to be. Well, and when you're thinking of farming, farming is a business. And if you're good at the numbers, then (laughs) that is just a harmonious partnership because (laughs) if you can find somebody who thinks numbers are sexy and somebody else who (laughs) is good at growing food and good at cooking food, like I think match made in heaven. So <laughs> so tell us more about the products that you are producing on your acreage. So last year was our first, I guess, growing season on our on our land. So that's had a few different plots uh, in, in different places in Guelph. So last season it was it was a mix of different veggies, most of them for preserving. So it was kind of like a smaller smaller scale last year was more, I guess, for ourselves because it was, it's really rocky where we are. So so we got it tilled, but it definitely needed, I guess, a lot more TLC than I guess we had the the time and energy to do. So it was a bit of a smaller, I think we had like four or five beds last year. And this year we're planning on doing the full quarter acre. But so last year, a lot of peppers, a lot of squash, I guess squash typically just very happy and like pumpkins. So those just took over. And so we had some beautiful like jack-o'-lantern pumpkins, lots of yeah peppers, different like salsas and hot sauces, tomatillos, just like a variety of, I guess, like fun and maybe more interesting things that you might not necessarily find, find elsewhere. And I think that's, that's really what Celeste is trying to grow this year. I think she said she has purchase like over a hundred different varieties of seeds. So there's going to be, I think a lot of different things growing. Like they said, flowers are going to be added and she wants to start uh, like a farm and flower box in particular. So people can add on their prepared meals. They can add on, you know, some flowers and some of like our local, well, our own farm produce onto their order. So that's what we're going to try this, this uh, coming summer. I love that. And I'm also super jealous of all of your customers who get the (laughs) opportunity to support you because I just think the idea of going that extra step to do what other companies they're doing, they're buying produce from farmers and they're buying products from their local farmers and they are creating meal subscription services. We've all heard of HelloFresh and those types of things. And then I'm thinking even to myself, I'm thinking of skip the dishes or DoorDash, having that convenience of food coming to you. And it's harmoniously all in one company. And that's the conscious kitchen. (laughs) You have recently become more hands-on with the conscious kitchen you know, leaving your full-time employment to pursue these opportunities. What was it about the specific business itself that really drew you in that you were like, yeah, this is it. This is what we're going to do. We're all in. Yeah. There's like a nice, there's like a pretty answer and then maybe a more like real, not so pretty answer. I mean, and I guess both happened at the same time. Like part of it was I kind of got burnt out at my full-time job. And so on, we had 
this long-term plan for me to eventually, you know, join business, but actually less so join the business and more like start our own business coaching business and support other food and farm businesses and like making a living uh, from their, from their business, you know, ethically and sustainably. That's our little tagline. So that, that was kind of the long-term vision. So have like that, yeah, like the consulting side of things, but Honestly, what sped up the process last year was I was getting a bit burnt out at my consulting job. There, I really liked obviously working with food and farm companies, and it was kind of trying to help them, you know, be a bit more sustainable, but also just like overall kind of run their business, I guess, like more strategically, let's say. But I did feel that a lot of the time it was like very slow moving. So with like a lot of big companies kind of trying to get larger companies to change is, yeah, it, it takes, it, it takes more time than, than I perhaps would have liked, but also it was, yeah, I guess just like internal things, the company, I was just kind of getting burnt out. And then at the same time, Celeste was looking at hiring a, a delivery driver. We needed someone to do deliveries three days a week. And we live in a pretty, yeah, I mean, rural place. So the employment pool is not very large. There's some, like the closest city, I guess, or town. Yeah, city has like 100,000 people. It's about a half hour away. Anyways, we put out postings and this and that. And it was like one month or two. And we weren't really getting like any decent applicants. So it was, okay, me with thinking I'm kind of burnt out and want to change. And then us not being able to find someone reliable because I was so critical. I mean, if we can't get our product to customers, like that's, that's an issue. Celeste couldn't do it. She had no time. So honestly, I think we were like walking our dogs and I was just like, what if I left provision? That was the company and joined you or, and became that delivery driver. And and then we kind of crunched the numbers and realized that like we could make it work. I would have to find another part-time job, but we could make it work. So it was a bit of that leap. Like I think when I told my boss I was quitting, I think she said that she'd always thought it would happen, but maybe she didn't think it happened like what happened when it did and kind of neither did I. But yeah, made that leap just to kind of solve the problem and pushed us to I guess, fast track some of our plans. We're still on that journey for sure. Those feelings are incredibly <laughs> scary. It's something that I went through myself. I, I had a fancy job, I had a business card, a nameplate and everything. And <laughs> <laughs> when it was like, yeah, I'm going to quit and learn how to drive a tractor. Uh, I don't know if anybody believed me or they thought I would be back in six months. And here I am about five years later still still driving the tractor. So <laughs> yeah, I know it, it, it definitely does feel weird when you're leaving kind of more of that. Yeah. S- secure and somewhat, but you know, like when you tell this, like it's seemingly more impressive, let's say, right. But, but really, yeah. Kind of re- like, like evaluating lifestyle and all, all these kind of things. Yeah. Instead, <laughs> like what's really important. A thousand percent. So, and you're talking about crunching numbers and you and Celeste 
did amazing presentations during your online conference, which we'll still get to. We're still, we're working our way there, (laughs) but you have had significant growth over the last couple of years in the Conscious Kitchen. And with growth come some growing pains. So can you speak to some of the challenges that you have faced in growing your business? Definitely growing pains. I feel like Celeste and I were just kind of talking through some of those things this weekend because yeah, we're, well, we're definitely right now in like a growth point where we're about to take on like a lot of debt (laughs) to kind of get to that next step. And it does feel like like three things have to happen at the same time, right? Like it's like this very perfectly up, like lined up dominoes. Like one thing has to happen for the other to happen. So I guess just to maybe, yeah, share what is upcoming. And then, because that's closest to my mind, then maybe I can think of some of the things in the past. But right now there's two big bottlenecks. One is in our truck, like our our van. You know, we have three days of delivery and obviously as much as you can fit in the van is like as much as you can sell. So we're kind of reaching the capacity of our van. So we are going to be buying like a Ford Transit, the biggest you can, the biggest you can buy. And that's like $90,000 that we'll be financing. So it's like, okay, (laughs) we're going to, going to take that on. And that'll be happening like in the next few months. I think we put in the order like six months ago or something, and it's going to be coming soon. Then um, in our kitchen, our kitchen's on our property um, in the basement and with a rural property zoning can allow you to run your business, you know, from like uh, from your property, which is, which is pretty great, but it's getting pretty tight down there and it's not the best like working in environment. I mean, there's, it's a basement. There's not that many windows. So again, yeah, and it's getting tight. So we're also going to be expanding the kitchen this summer, kind of yeah, building it out 10 feet. And so that's another over $100,000 to expand that. And then to do all that, and as we're growing, we're going to really need another staff member. So I think the biggest, a, a big stress for Celeste is that she's kind of doing and taking on like all of, definitely all of like the brain power of the business. So there's a lot sitting on her shoulders. I know she feels a lot of pressure and it's like, if she, if, if she is sick, if she got injured, like the business would honestly have to stop. We do have another employee and myself, but we're, we really like assist. We're not really like the mental and also just like the execute. Celeste works really fast, cooks really fast, all this kind of thing. So we're going to need to hire someone that has that kind of level of like managerial and like cook culinary experience. So that's like, yeah, I guess three big things that are going to need to happen this year. But I guess like we want the first two to happen before hiring someone so that it's like a good work environment and Celeste can kind of free up some of her mind to like train this person. So that feels, I think, quite like daunting and stressful to find that right person and then also get get this like expansion done this year. So I, I think there's a lot of stress and weight sitting on on Celeste's shoulders and then, and and I'm helping as I can. And I think that's, maybe that's another thing that just like over the past year, Celeste and I have had to learn how to, I guess, how to work together. I mean, I think it's like working with your partner. I, I mean, for us, I see it as like a blessing because I think we're able to be more like vulnerable with each other than I would probably be able to do with someone that we don't have this close of an like 
of relationship. So it feels like sometimes there's really hard days or big emotions, but we're like able to really express that and like kind of get past it. Right. Cause like with business comes, yeah, I mean, a ton of emotions. So being able to get past it, but then it definitely does yeah, test that kind of communication, trust, being able to not talk about business, like set boundaries, no, make that time to also like enjoy yourself, <laughs> you know, and get away. So all of that has been happening in the past year too. So yeah, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of challenges and, and growing pains. Yeah, for sure. Well, and farming with your family or your partner or really whomever, it's stressful. There's so many elements outside of your control. And then put on top an ever-growing business that you have to adjust for, pay for, all of these things. It can be really stressful. It can be all-consuming. And finding that time to just be together and not worry or worry as much and do something fun to get your mind off of things are so important. But I want to flip that question now. And what are some wins that you want to celebrate that you are proud of uh, that you have both accomplished in the conscious kitchen? I think something, uh, I, I guess I'll, <laughs> I'll speak for Celeste. Maybe I shouldn't, but I'll, I'll speak for Celeste where it's like her personality is like maybe not to celebrate how great she's doing. <laughs> like, like maybe, you know, like super, super humble about things, let's say, or just kind of perhaps that's just that, I guess, you know, somewhat of self-doubt, but it's more like, oh, it's pretty natural to focus on the things that go bad. But anyways, that's to say, like Celeste might not celebrate as easily what she's accomplished. But for me, kind of looking in, because like I think it's important to distinguish most of the success, 99%. 99.99% of the success, the true success of the conscious kitchen is because of like Celeste's hard work. So I'm coming into it as like this proud partner. And I always love to like talk and talk highly of Celeste because I really like admire and respect her so much. But I think like a huge win is just, I guess, starting, really starting quite small. I mean, starting with, let's say, you know, I think she put in 7,000 of her own dollars. She found a commercial kitchen for rent in Guelph and she reached out to another business to share the space with her so that it could be more affordable. And then it started with like two customers kind of that were coming and bringing their own containers and, and this and that. And just slowly and steadily, started to grow a customer base, right? And just kind of keep expanding and just the amount of work I think that it does take to start a small business on your own and just to keep at it, like to keep showing up day after day and you read the customer review and someone's not happy, but you have to keep going anyways. I, I think just overall, I think a win is just like showing up every day and like keeping going because now that I've kind of stepped into a role as like a quote unquote, you know, entrepreneur, like business owner, I think I've just really come to appreciate like how hard it is, like how hard it really is to, yeah, just keep going. Cause there's constantly decisions to be made constantly. There's issues or there's complaints or there's this and there's that. There's no one really giving you that like encouragement. Like there's really no one saying good job. <laughs> you just keep get, you know, you're going to hear the bad. So 
yeah, I feel like just keep keeping going <laughs> is like a huge win. And that is completely fair. And I'm really impressed with everyone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we, to put a number on it, I mean, we're now at like $350,000 of revenue a year. So that feels cool. <laughs> you know, that feels good. Yeah. That's amazing. Considering starting with, you know, the two customers and to where it's grown today. And I know Celeste is busy working right now (laughs) in the kitchen. And I hope that she takes a moment when she hears this to really sit back and go, wow. Yeah, I did that. (laughs) So good job, Celeste. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So now the much awaited anticipation, let's talk about the conference that you and Celeste hosted this past winter. The conference itself was something that like my eyes immediately went to because I was like, oh, this sounds spicy. It was called (laughs) Not Your Father's Farm Conference. So immediately I was like, well, that sounds like something for me. So (laughs) tell us the idea or how the idea came about for you to host such a conference. I think, yeah, we definitely wanted to to make it a little spicy, right? And to, <laughs> and to, and to yeah, catch, catch attention. So it basically, yeah, the idea was inspired after, I mean, for a few years, Celeste in particular had been attending a lot of farming conferences and just felt that, I guess most of the speakers looked a certain way. Maybe the, like the, I guess I can name, you know, there was like a lot of white men talking about farming. And then it was like the people of color, the women of color were kind of designated to talk about like race or racism in farming. So just, yeah, wanted to create something that centered all of like the brilliant women, trans, non-binary voices that are in the farming space that perhaps didn't get centered in those conferences. Although I think definitely there has been a lot of improvement in diversity in farming conferences overall. But I think in centering, I guess, like women, trans, non-binary folks, and then with special, I guess, focus on like BIPOC and queer, I think, yeah, there's something about creating that space that it, it's almost like you don't, you come into it having to explain one less thing or having to like justify or prove one less thing about why you're here and why people should listen to you, right? And why you're an expert. It's like by creating this conference, it's for, you know, women, trans, non-binary farmers. It's like, yeah, obviously <laughs> women you know, have something to say about farming and have so much expertise. And really, we uh, tailored it to the business side of things. So it's like, right, it's just like, yeah, obviously, we have a lot to say, we, you know, have a lot to share. But then I think also, we did it because we could perhaps address certain issues that perhaps like, you know, women plus folks, it's unique to that experience. I think we talked about Yes, certain things like that come up around like money, let's say, or imposter syndrome or this or that. So kind of creating that space too to like bring somewhat, some foundation of like a shared experience that we can kind of get into those experiences a little more than perhaps like a conference where it's not, there's not that intention. 
Well, and I, I like what you said, and it explains it perfectly. You just took that layer out for the people who were presenting. They didn't have to prove that they needed to be there. Where I've found going to conferences as a privileged white female, uh, as an attendee, most of the people on stage are men. And if they aren't, then they are, like you said, speaking specifically about a topic that would be relevant to their race or their gender and not kind of talking in their expertise necessarily because they are there to prove that maybe, you know, we are diverse, we are inclusive, we are doing all of the right things, we are checking the boxes of hosting a conference in the year of 2020-21, all of these things, right? But not giving them the stage to, you know, talk about what they're really good at. And the thing that I loved specifically about the conference was there was so much tangible information. And I have to give you kudos to that because the presentations, I still have my notebook full of (laughs) actual knowledge that I took from that of things that I can use for our farm and for our business. Whereas there'll be times I go to these other conferences and I'll go and sit through presentations. And it's really like, I love it when people share their story and I get the background of them and who they are and all of these things. But if I'm not learning something from you besides whatever your story was, like I, I want both. I want a mixture of both. And that's that's what I got from your conference. So I'm just excited to be able to fangirl about this <laughs> with you and say what an incredible job you did to host this conference. And there were so many people that were there and just the energy that I felt. And, you know, it's the year 2022. We've all sat through however many Zoom conferences and calls for the last however many years. Like it can get really tiring. But <laughs> honestly, at the end of yours, I still felt there was energy in the room, even if I was sitting here all by myself. So it was really oh. good. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yeah. Really, really appreciate that. Cause yeah. <laughs> so My next question would be, and I'm sure everyone listening, is there going to be another one? (laughs) Yes, I can, I guess, as confidently as I can say at at this point, yes, we definitely are hoping, planning to have a 2023. And I think the fact, I mean, so many, there were so many attendees that came that we didn't know before. Like we've connected with so many amazing farmers like yourself who I think we're like, they could be a speaker and they could be a speaker and they could be a speaker. You know, I I think just, yeah, knowing and meeting so many knowledgeable, amazing, inspiring farmers that could be speakers, right? And share is, is that encouragement to do it again, right? Like there's just, there's so many people out there to connect with and to learn from and to share. Well. I'll be waiting for that (laughs) announcement of when it is, and we will be sure to let the listeners know when the 2023 conference will be. Oh, thank you. You can help support the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural Woman podcast on Patreon. What is Patreon? 
It's a membership-based platform that helps fund and support creators like me to create and produce content like this that you all love. New to the Rural Woman Podcast Patreon is ad-free listening and patron-only bonus content and exclusive episodes. Learn more and join the patron gang today at patreon.com slash the Rural Woman Podcast. So part of your genius and your zone of genius you've talked about is the numbers and the business side of things. And you have started another business within the Conscious Kitchen business, and that is slow growing business coaching. So you are taking your genius and helping other farmers hone in the not so sexy numbers of your of farm and business and all of the things. So tell us more about the business coaching side of you. So basically, I mean, so what inspired slow growing business coaching that we've kind of tagged on like and bookkeeping because we're offering those like services too, like we can take on your books, but on, on the business coaching side, I guess for us, what we really want to be able to share and support food and farm businesses in is creating a business that works for your lifestyle and helps you create the life that you want ethically and sustainably. So I think what we found is a lot of farm businesses aren't really able to pay themselves or their employees a proper living wage. And I think this is just like a big systemic problem in the food, the food space overall. And there's, there are, I mean, so, so many factors, right. That obviously can't just, just be solved, you know, by an individual business owner. I mean, everything from like how subsidies are distributed and laws like around micro labor and things like this. I mean, there's so many systemic factors, but I guess around maybe the rhetoric around like being a small scale farmer in particular, that space, I think there's a lot of perhaps like misinformation or it kind of makes it seem easy to make a living farming where in fact, most small scale farmers aren't able to pay themselves like proper living wages and could only do it because Maybe they got their land 10 years ago when it was really cheap and they have no mortgage or, you know, like a low mortgage or they inherited land or this or that. So at today's, let's say, market rates, the the reality definitely in Ontario is that you can't actually afford to own and run a farm farming. Like that's kind of the stark reality where we are. But we don't quite see like the education around that having caught up to that reality. And I mean, because right, like even just six years ago, 10 years ago, I think things were different. So what we want to do is bring some of our experience and knowledge around running a value add, like a value added farm food business to that space. So yeah, I mean, really what drives drives us, I think our unique skill set is in helping farmers maybe think about other products and offerings that they can add on that would give them better margins and grow a business where they can pay themselves properly, pay their employees properly, 
and just serve and reach more customers. And so, yeah, we bring up lots of very, like we kind of want to be an open book. So we'll share like everything we possibly can about how we did it in our business, right? Like the apps we use, this and that. And then also just like general business planning, scenario planning, profit calculations, all that kind of stuff. Well, it's funny because (laughs) I always think of outside of agriculture looking in and how sexy farming can look. And we have seen the picture of the Instagram farmer in their flower fields twirling with baskets. And, you know, it looks like it's really fun. And it can be like it is a super rewarding career. It's a lifestyle. It's all of these things. But at the end of the day, if you can't afford your lifestyle and all you're doing is working, I don't know what kind of life that is. So to look at the hard dollars and cents of the value of your product and what you're selling it for, if it's in a private market or, you know, if you are a commodities-based business where you are depending on other markets that dictate the price of whatever it is, well, what else could you be doing that could be enhancing your bottom line, but also allowing you to live on a farm? And, you know, if you want to go twirl in a field, you could because... (laughs) You have the funds to go twirl in this field, right? So, and, you know, this this speaks to your conference and the people that were speaking there and everything, the transparency that you and Celeste both have with all parts of your business is something that, you know, I, I wish they wrote a book on how you should be in egg business doing this by sharing what you know with others because, the idea of having this knowledge and not being willing to share parts of it with other people. I've personally never understood that. I've never held the card so close to me, but there are people that do. Looking back now in your experience, what would you tell young Simone, young entrepreneurial Simone, what advice would you give yourself or somebody looking to get into an entrepreneurial business in agriculture? Maybe I'll just speak to broadly entrepreneurial. Like what comes to mind is the mental space that that takes up. I think, again, I'm fairly early on like the journey for for myself personally. And oh, (laughs) I would tell myself that it it is harder than you'd expect. I don't think I personally have like an entrepreneurial personality. <laughs> I'm going to be totally honest. I am not decisive. I really do overthink a lot and I guess like classic people pleaser, right? So I like being told what to do. <laughs> it kind of takes some of that pressure off me. Yeah. And, and I think I take criticism hard. So these are all recipes for disaster when it comes to being an entrepreneur. If that's you, and if you kind of recognize yourself in that, I think finding someone to go in it with you that can balance that out and support you in those ways is really important. So, you know, maybe my tip to myself would be like, pick Celeste's brain more. Like Celeste 
all of those things that I mentioned, like, well, most of them she can do. She's very decisive. I think she cares what people think, but she'll keep going anyways, I guess. So yeah, I think it's like, try to figure out how those people do it and what their mindset is. Because I feel like when I share with Celeste how I'm feeling about something or if something's harder, this or that, she is very clear with like an answer or a way to think about it. That's very helpful. So I'm trying to think of some of like her advice for me in channeling some of that. But I mean, some of it is like, like you're always going to disappoint people. <laughs> like you're just always going to, truly always going to disappoint someone like almost every week. There's going to be some, you know, someone that doesn't like something or this or that. So just expect that that's okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Maybe I'll leave it there. <laughs> there's probably, there's like, there's a million, there's, there's many things. I think like what I take from that is it's business and don't take it super personally. I don't think you can take the personal aspect out of business ever, especially as an entrepreneur, because typically it's your business, which is kind of an essence of you. Uh-huh. So that I think, you know, don't take everything personally. And like you said, you're never going to please everybody all at the same time. And another thing, you know, you had said, like, find somebody like Celeste. I just think, <laughs> like, find community and find like-minded, passionate people who you can collaborate with. Because I think, you know, we're not good at everything as much as some people think they are. Like <laughs> you have your zone of expertise. So focus on that part of your business and what you're good at. And then you can collaborate with people and work together and you never know what kind of a magic you can come up with. Right. So I think, you know, I think those are great things to tell baby Simone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And a big one is like talk, talk about your feelings. Right. It's like talk, talk, like because so many, I think, emotions come up, especially in the early days of starting a business. So whether that's like with a therapist or with someone that you trust and who can offer that different opinion or way of looking at things is really helpful. Absolutely. By this point, I'm sure I've bought my <laughs> therapist a boat. So <laughs> <laughs> is there anything that you would like to share with the audience that I have not asked you? No, I don't think so. Nothing in particular comes, comes to mind. Great. I did my job perfectly then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my last question for you is, what is the most rewarding part about being a rural entrepreneur for you? I guess for all... For all the challenges and pain <laughs> that comes with, it, I mean, physical pain from sh shoveling all this snow and just like emotional, I guess it is just like the journey of, of growth. It's like, I do feel sometimes, yeah, that I just look back and I do see like that personal growth. So whereas maybe something would have been caused a reaction, like I would have uh, reacted to something you know, like two months ago, or it would have like affected me, you know, now I can, let's say, read it and not be as phased. Like all of these little, just personal milestones, I think is rewarding. And it, sh it shows me that there's, per there's personal growth happening, which I think is kind of 
all we can ask for, you know, is just like grow and learn and yeah, just kind of get to the other side of what life throws at us. And what's also really rewarding is just hanging out with my two dogs and three potbelly pigs. I don't think I would have, I definitely would have had potbelly pigs if I was living in the city and they're pretty darn cute. So seeing them is pretty rewarding too. I am low-key jealous of your potbelly pigs. (laughs) I have goats, but I've said to my husband many a times that I really need a potbelly pig and he's not quite convinced. (laughs) I'll get him there. They're they're adorable. (laughs) They really are. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me and our audience. And I am so happy that I was able to pick your brain about the nerdy side of business and entrepreneurship (laughs) in rural life, because that is my second passion besides, you know, farming and all of the things I love, the nerdy (laughs) business stuff. For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? depending on when this comes out, but our Instagram handle is the conscious farm kitchen. And then yeah, searching like Guelph or Kitchener Waterloo. Those might be keywords you need to like Google in case there's a few conscious kitchens, but yeah, right now the handle is the conscious farm kitchen and then slow growing business coaching is our other business. Yeah. I will put the correct links in the bio. (laughs) when the episode comes out so people can find you and connect with you. And I really hope for the folks that are listening who want to get nerdy and talk about all things business, they reach out to you, Simone, because you, like I said, you're a wealth of knowledge and we're so lucky (laughs) that you are able to share that with us. So thank you. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much for for asking all these questions. It's, It's always fun to talk about. Yes. It's fun to talk about nerdy farm and business things. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast, a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network. The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman Podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim & Co. Online. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story. Did you know? 
that you can get this same great episode of the Rural Woman podcast ad-free. I get it. Listening to ads during a podcast isn't always my favorite either. But in order to keep the lights and coffee pot on here at the Rural Woman podcast studios, they are necessary. I am so grateful to each and every one of my sponsors, but if you yourself would like to skip the ads while supporting the show, consider joining me over on Patreon. Patrons of the Rural Woman podcast get ad-free episodes starting at tier five on their podcast player of choice each week, plus some other great benefits. Find out more by heading to the link in today's show notes to learn how you can become a patron through Patreon.